1: Show. Let's start the show. Good morning! Thank you so much for hanging, being part of my radio family. I'm your host, AD. Join the conversation by tweeting me at ADSXE. Also, holler at super producer to the stars, Barry Funkhauser, who is pressing buttons at the premier broadcast facility in Los Angeles, in Hollywood. making yours truly sound infinitely more professional together than I actually am. (laughs) Uh, In case you're wondering what the hell you've happened across on the Extreme Talk channel on iHeartRadio, the AD show, a foreign punk rock kid in a band that wound up in radio afterwards because he had no applicable real-world skills and uh, somehow wound up in talk radio. I think I noticed that the guys in talk radio down the hall from me, when I worked at this rock station, where I still work, were driving significantly nicer cars than I am, and I was like, how is that possible, because I have a teeny tiny fraction of their ratings, or they have a teeny tiny fraction of my ratings rather, like seriously, their listenership is a pimple on the ass of mine, so why are they rolling on significantly nicer wheels than yours truly? And uh, I I did a little looking into it, and I was like, oh, wow, when you're the subject of the show, as opposed to Nirvana or Metallica, you get more money. I was like, that's pretty cool. I want me a piece of that action. So I attempted to get a piece of that action, started doing some talk radio, and was told by the uh, muckety-mucks in programming upstairs where I I work for the rock station that, yeah, that's cool, we'll let you play on the weekends, but it's never going to happen. I mean, look at you. Look at you. You look like you should be skateboarding outside of a 7-Eleven. You look like the kid from Two and a Half Men, grown up. No one's ever going to go for it. Sorry. And I was like, oh, man. But I'm really good at radio. Like, I've got ratings that are way better than any of these guys. I I know how to command a microphone and and make dollars out of that command. So why wouldn't they hire me? Because of the way I looked, I was like, what the hell? And then for one tiny second, after having gone to bed mad and woken up mad the next morning about it, and gone to bed mad the next night and woken up more mad about it the next morning, I was like, you know, I've been judged on my outward appearance. I've been xed out of a job that I'm more than qualified to do, more than qualified than a lot of the people actually doing it, because of the way I look. I was like, wow, what the hell must that be like? Because I'm this mad. I am this angry about it after having had it happen to me once. What must be like, what must it be like to be born into a color of skin where people are going to prejudge you, discount your abilities, X you out of positions that you're more than qualified for without ever having even spoken to you? And it was a bit of an illuminating thing. Anyways, um, I decided to completely go over the heads of everybody that was denying me, the, uh, <laughs> denying me the position I wanted. And I wrote to the Grand Dragons of talk radio, sent them an email, said, Hey, I've been told I'll never work in talk radio because I look like this. And I attached a picture of me. And not like that. And I attached a picture of Rush Limbaugh. And almost immediately they got back to me. They're like, as it turns out, you're right on the money. The uh, people that work with you on a local level might not be tuned into this sort of thing, but we've come to the conclusion that, well, Rush Limbaugh can't go on forever, can he? And I was like, well, no, I mean, you know, there's all that extra weight he carries around and, you know, the Oxycontin and donuts. And and they're like, well, yeah, that's neither here nor there. The point is, we need what's next. We need someone who's going to be able to speak to the next generation. We need someone who's going to create a new, more awesome type of talk radio. We need someone to unite the left and the right over universal truths, and we talk about this every single day, but over universal truths like boobs are great, and fart jokes no matter who you are or who you voted for, are funny and I was like, I can unite people over that like you wouldn't freaking believe, so here I am and that's what you've happened across this Wednesday morning hopefully you're having an awesome one thus far today in the show, a 49 year old in Connecticut was arrested for stabbing a watermelon it's true it happened. And a Vietnam vet with no legs couldn't get a wheelchair from the VA. Couldn't get a new wheelchair. So it was fixed for him. By who? By a company that will get a pass from me for an awful long time because of this. We were talking about this a little bit yesterday. I didn't really get a chance to get into it as much as I'd wanted to. And it's an important thing. So I wanted to make sure that we finished up. And look, we won't be finished up today. It's an ongoing conversation. But this idea, floated by Sally Cohn, the CNN columnist, that illegal is the new N-word, that saying someone was illegal was tantamount to calling them a hateful name for black people, That starts with N. Or a hateful name for gay people. That rhymes with the name of the funniest comedian of all time, Bob Saget. This idea was floated out there by CNN columnist Sally Cohn. Published something on the 4th of July. See what she did there? Very clever. America. I'm going to set a new American standard thanks to CNN and my column. She did her very best to manufacture some outrage. Why? Well, I would imagine probably because she was trying to get a little shine on. Trying to uh, become the left-wing Ann Coulter. I've got a theory about how this works and how they construct what they consider to be the most incendiary sound bites in order that they may go viral, and uh, really the only person they're serving here is themselves. Not only that, but by drawing this comparison between illegal and the n-word, she really cheapened the experience of some folks. I I think Ann Coulter's a genius I really do I mean here's the thing about Ann Coulter She's made a living off of being a talking head Someone who has an opinion And you know how you make more money By having an opinion You get more people to listen to it And you know how you get more people to listen to your opinion? You say the craziest, most outrageous thing you possibly can. Except it's not really crazy when it comes out of the mouth of Ann Coulter. She is an expert, an unmitigated expert, at creating the perfect incendiary soundbite. And you and I have talked about this a little bit on the show before. But I think what she does is she kind of sits around her house going, Okay, what's a a big issue? Like, this one's probably my favorite example. Let's see, the tree huggers, they're mad about a bunch of stuff. The environmentalists, yeah, they're hopping up and down about climate change and things like that and how we have to preserve the, and preserve the Earth's natural resources and be kind to it and all the above. And, well, okay, if I could really get under their skin, that would be good. That's a hot-button issue. But just saying environmentalists are wrong, eh, that's not going to give me a whole lot of mileage, is it? Now, how do I create the perfect sound? Well, what do people really care about? What are some words that people care about? Well, God. God's like the biggest. So uh, can I fit God in there? Ooh, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is good because it's sort of like the Son of God, which means, you know, you're, you're human as well. You know, you walk among the earth, even though you are the Son of God, and uh, you do have, you know, mortal flesh, and you, you seem a little bit more fragile and weaker, and people seem to care for you. Like, God's there to care for us. Christ died for our sins. He, he made that sacrifice. And, well, he seems a little bit more vulnerable. So, yeah, what if I say Jesus? Can I fit Jesus into a sentence about environmentalism and how tree huggers should go home? Well, let's see. Ah, what's another good word that, that makes people hop up and down? What's a good, good hot-button word? Oh, mm, rape. How can I fit Jesus and rape into the same sentence whilst angering environmentalists at the same time? I know. I'll quote the Bible and say it, it interprets it. There's an interpretation that could be reasonably construed from this uh, where Jesus said, Rape the earth. Take it. It's yours to do what you want with thereby telling environmentalists to shut up because Jesus said to rape the earth. Yeah, 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 we'll go with that. And she did that. I don't know if you remember the quote, but she got a lot of mileage out of it for a little while. And when a quote like that goes viral, when you hear the words, "and Coulter, rape Jesus, and environmentalists in the same sentence, well, that's got some legs to it. That's going to travel. And uh, it raises her profile so that her speaking price at the next convention of people that desperately want to evolve opposable thumbs so they can better burn Christ and hoard AR-15s whilst living in their mud huts and wagging their vestigial tails, her price to speak at that convention will go the hell up, thanks to her cunningly combining the words Jesus, rape, and earth in the same sentence in an effort to anger environmentalists. Very clever. Very well done. Bravo. <laughs> scientifically manufactured. Scientifically manufacture viral sound bites. It's something that we all wish we could do, because if we, if we could, in the broadcasting game, we'd all be driving much ni- nicer cars and living in much nicer houses like Ann Coulter. So, it, it goes both ways, though. You know, like on the far right, you got Ann Coulter, you know, uh, coming up with things like Jesus said, rape the earth. And then on the left, you know, they're, they're, they're not stupid. They're looking at it going, hmm, how do, I, how do I cash in on some of that? Oh, what's a hot-button issue? Immigration. Immigration. Yeah. Like people really care about that. We've got. Uh, truckloads of kids at the border that may be gang members that are going to come in and rape and pillage because they're 16, 17, and have already lived life, lives of crime. Or they might be absolute innocence. And whatever the case may be, it's a real hot-button issue. And uh, everyone has a very strong opinion on it. And these people are here. Okay, let's see. How can I get in underneath that? Um, okay, well, let's see. What are good hot-button words? Mm, The N-word. Oh, yeah, that gets people mad. Uh, The F-word. The derogatory slur for a homosexual that rhymes with the name of the funniest comedian of all time, Bob Saget. Yeah, the N-word and that particular F-word, that gets right under people's skin. And... That's what progressive commentator Sally Cohn, I'm sure, was thinking when she took aim at the word illegal, which she decided was derogatory and dehumanizing in a CNN column that she published on the 4th of July and made it tantamount to using the F word or the N word. And people took notice of that because it was a very cleverly constructed soundbite. She manufactured some outrage. There's plenty of things worth being outraged over. There's plenty of things worth being outraged over on either side of the political and or immigration fence when it comes to matters of truckloads of kids sitting in border towns wondering what the hell's going to happen to them. This is not one of them. That we're calling them illegal? Yeah, that's, that's not worth being outraged over. It was a little manufactured outrage. Like Ann Coulter constructing the perfect incendiary soundbite. It's not my place to decide. It's not my place to reassign meaning to words that carry hurt. And uh, the white chick that has a job with CNN, Eh, it's not hers either. Illegal is a speculative term. See, someone can actually be illegal. It's not like someone can actually be an N-word or an F-word. Those are slurs. Those are derogatory. Illegal is an adjective, or an adverb. See, you can't be an N-word or an F-word. You can be African-American. You can be homosexual. But what are we supposed to call somebody who's actually illegal if it's tantamount to the N-word? Am I supposed to dance around it, find some politically correct way of saying that in this country, illegally would be better put, I don't know, immigrationally challenged? Enter... Anthony Coulter. Absolutely no relation whatsoever to Ann Coulter. Let's just make that distinction right now. He's an angry black man. And he was speaking from a protest site in California. And he was filmed by the folks over at Breitbart News. And he made the argument in response to this claim that illegal is tantamount to the N-word or the F-word. He said there's nothing racist about the word Illegal. And he made a very good point. Saying that the word illegal, if that's a racist term, if people are postulating that, that's in and of itself offensive to anyone who's ever been called an actual racist term. This is the thing. If you're not black... If you haven't had that experience, it's not your job as a white commentator for CNN to go, yeah, you know, when you call someone illegal, it's the same as being the N-word. How dare you cheapen the experience of someone that has experienced the hurt, the prejudgment of racism? Remember I told you for one teeny tiny second I knew what it was like to be judged on my outward appearance because I wasn't hired to do a talk radio gig that I was more than qualified for because I looked like an overgrown skater kid that should be hanging around, hanging around outside of a 7-Eleven? That stung like you wouldn't freaking believe. And so I can only begin to imagine what it must be like for someone that's actually been called a racist term that's had racial slurs thrown at them. And it is not for a white CNN blogger to decide what that hurt means and what is tantamount to it. And while this guy, Anthony was protesting Anthony Coulter, again, no relation to Ann Coulter. He also pointed out that whites and Hispanics are very concerned about illegal immigration but black people aren't represented in this debate. And he said, they're the ones who are the most affected by the lack of low-income jobs that result from lots of illegal immigration. He was like, "Uh, yeah, this is more than a white and Hispanic thing. Because of the way society has worked, because of the Genetic roll of the dice because of the fickle finger of fake. Not rightly, but it is a truth that, well, black people stand to suffer a lot because of the lack of low-income jobs that result from lots of illegal immigration. This is according to Anthony Coulter. Again, no relation to Anne. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. This guy, by the way, is engaged to a legal German immigrant. Her 30-year-old son was hit and killed by an unlicensed illegal alien driver with a prior record and no deportations. And the family worked as 911 dispatchers for Riverside County Sheriff's Department. And I guess this was their way of saying, hey, we are productive members of American society. We have skin in the game more than anybody is realizing. But because of the color of our skin, we are being X'd out of this. And that's racist. And for you, CNN columnist Sally Cohn in your ivory media tower, to try and make a name for yourself by associating the word illegal with our pain is one of the most unconscionable things that could be done to us Funkhauser, let's have a look at what's going on in the events of today what's happening in the news well good morning it's that news bed, it makes us sound so much more professional and together than we actually are, we
2: almost sound like a respected news outlet, we're not a respected news outlet good morning Good morning. Uh, Kim Kardashian's video game is on track to earn $200 million. (sighs) She's going to make an additional $200 million off of
1: a video game. Well, I think I speak for all of us when I say it's nice to see an uber-talented, selfless humanitarian like Kim Kardashian finally catching a break. You realize
2: this is why the terrorists hate us. What else is going on in the world? Uh, Transformers Age of Extinction is now the number one movie of 2014. Mm. So, in your face, idiots who claim
1: movies should consist of something other than gigantic explosions being used to mask one dimensional characters' hacky dialogue and generic plot lines, that'll learn you. It's crazy. Did you see it? No. <laughs> I haven't seen one of those. <sighs> I saw the first one because, you know, Transformers. Cool. And the Transformers cartoon movie was... Specifically the soundtrack was uh, something I enjoyed a lot
2: as a kid. Did, did you ever see that? Where, did I you, remember the soundtrack, the soundtrack. That one it actually like, had Godzilla was good, I think, back then. I don't know. But, but it was uh, the the soundtrack
1: had a weird Al Yankovic song on it. Dare okay. to be stupid.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: it's true. But, yep, I watched the first one. I, I couldn't... It, you know, it was like... I think part of the problem, besides the fact that uh, it sucked um, in terms of plot and dialogue and things like that, that as an adult you come to appreciate is I tried to watch it at home on my TV, which, you know, had a reasonably large screen, but just trying to watch that level of action and explosion and all these things going on and the super high-def CGI and all the above, it's hard to translate that onto a small screen. It actually gave me a headache trying to watch it. But yeah, Transformers, Age of Extinction. Now the number one movie of 2014. Well, let's just pray that the huge
2: box office... Finally, gives a little boost to Michael Bay's notoriously fragile ego. <laughs> what else? Robin Thicke's attempts to win it, win back his his estranged wife, have now taken the form of him promoting a get her back bouquet from one eight hundred flowers. Yeah, and I've got a feeling it's gonna
1: work because you know if there's one thing, if there's one thing I've learned that women love, it's appallingly transparent sweaty desperation. Gentlemen, boys and girls, thanks so much for hanging and being part of my radio family on this a Wednesday morning a day. I choose to call Wednesday as opposed to hump day because, well, calling it hump day is a tired radio cliche. A crutch that I don't have to lean on because I've got talent is what I tell myself every single Wednesday. Yep. Also, it's a painful reminder, calling it hump day, of just how long it's been since I've been able to indulge in the adult expression of horizontal love. And that, my friend, is a long, long time. So we'll move right along and uh, not dwell on such a depressing fact. Today in the show, a 49-year-old guy in Connecticut was arrested for stabbing a watermelon and a Vietnam vet with no legs can't get a new wheelchair from the VA. Guess who fixed it for him for free? A company that will get a pass from me for a long time We'll get into that shortly right now though Let's pick up where we left off Funkhauser The news
2: my friend What is going on in the world News, news. Oh Wow news Jennifer WoW Farley gave birth to a baby daughter Mmm yes
1: In greasy monosyllabic knuckle dragging Celebrity human garbage News <laughs> They're reproducing That's the chick from the Jersey Shore With the enormous fake cans she, uh, she is now a mother. And simply by virtue of lying there, crapping itself, the baby has already contributed way more to society than her mom ever will. Uh, friends say the girl has her father's brown eyes and her mother's complete lack of discernible talent. Kindly continue.
2: Ryan Seacrest News... Uh. Ryan Seacrest's model girlfriend has confirmed that they are dating. Yep.
1: She said uh, she knew it was official when he generously offered to let her use his hair products. You know... Uh, Ryan Seacrest is an easy target. Like, that's low-hanging fruit for a lot of people, and not just because he's short, not just because if the radio thing hadn't worked out, his uh, most obvious form of employment would to be assist Santa Claus or perhaps live in a treehouse making cookies. He's an easy target. But I have to say, as a broadcaster, and I don't know if this is inside baseball, I don't know if people outside the bro- broadcasting world appreciate this, but because, you know, I rock so hard, Uh, one New Year's Eve, I was at home watching television, and and by one New Year's Eve, I mean every single New Year's Eve, but I was at home watching television and Ryan Seacrest was hosting it, kind of a pressured situation, you know, you're there, on the street, bazillions of screaming people in Times Square, things going horribly wrong with the broadcast, and just smooth and unflappable as you could ever be. Millions of people watching on TV. Millions of people there screaming and yelling at you. No control over the situation. Things go wrong. He was just so smooth. I was just like... like radio people love to do this. They're like, oh, they suck and I'm awesome. It's just so short-sighted. Radio people have this thing where it's... And maybe it's because radio folks tend to be social retards. Like, you'll notice that The vast majority of radio people that you meet, if you ever get to know them a little bit, you'll find that there's a reason why they're comfortable talking to a million people alone in a room where no one can speak back to them. But if you put them into a crowd of 15 people at a party, uh, everything all goes badly pear-shaped. Radio people are so short-sighted for the most part, they're like, "Mm, I'm amazing, I don't get why Ryan Seacrest is that that no-talent hack. Ryan Seacrest as much as the vast majority of radio people I know might be loath to admit it, has a set of skills that could put the world to shame. Now, is it worth the gazillions of dollars he commands in a humanitarian sort of way? Does that make sense? Does that seem fair? Probably not. Did he produce the Kardashian show, thereby lowering the collective IQ of the entire universe? Yes. Yes, he did. Has he done more harm than good? Possibly. God, is he a slick broadcaster. There's absolutely no two ways about it. You're in broadcasting, Funkhauser. Uh, You've been on the air. You've been uh, a producer of shows. Would you agree with me on this one?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. (laughs) Begrudgingly, but yes. Yeah, a a lot of them are in a padded cell for most of their life, so yeah.
1: Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah.
2: I Continue. What, what What is going on in music news? Radiohead announced that they're recording a new album. Mmm. Christmas comes early for you, black people. New Radiohead sooner <laughs> rather than later. What else? Uh, the publisher of the comic book, Archie, has revealed that Archie will die in a selfless, heroic act.
1: Mm-hmm. And I had my money on massive overdose after an all night coke orgy with a group of sassy Malaysian transvestites <laughs> uh, actually, that's hard to draw um, my uh, uh my brother-in-law is one of the muckety mucks at Archie. he's an executive there, and my sister used to work for Archie as well so i've actually I've actually known about this for a little while and you know in the nerdy comic book world this is they're like look <laughs> You can't tell people some of the stuff we're going to tell you because, you know, you're a broadcaster and we can't have it getting out before. So I've been sitting on the fact that Archie's going to take a bullet to defend his gay friend in this Archie comic book for a little while. That's actually how he goes out. He takes a bullet for his gay friend. And uh, um, here's the thing. While this version of Archie dies, there's all sorts of different Simultaneous Archie universes running throughout the different comic books. So there's still going to be an Archie, but this particular gritty, realistic Archie is going to go out a hero defending his gay friend. True story. And now, now that secret that I've been sitting on like an egg waiting to hatch for the past six months is out. I, I feel unburdened. Unburdened is how I would describe the feeling I have right now. What else?
2: Uh, okay, Hillary Clinton news. Hillary Clinton will appear on The Daily Show tonight. Uh Uh-huh. To get ready, I think she's uh, making up news stories about how poor and black she
1: used to be. Have you ever seen her, like, have you ever seen her speak to a southern congregation? Maybe we can dig up some audio of it. But she does this thing where she adopts a black southern accent. She'll go to these, like, Baptist churches in the South and be like, I remember when my mama used to cook me cornbread and grits. And it's really offensive. It really, really is. Why no one's ever really called her on it is sort of beyond me. Well, you should talk a bunch, but then i got a hunch. And if I step to you, you back right down. Can't see it through your attention, you're like Kool-Aid. <laughs> it was pointed out to me that me doing my impersonation of Hillary Clinton, doing an impersonation of black feet, black people from the South, could be construed as racist. Couldn't be further from the truth. But uh, I figured it would be prudent to dig up some audio of Hillary Clinton doing this weird thing that she does, where she, uh, <laughs> where she adopts accents of towns that she's in. Specifically, uh, do you have um do you, do you have the uh, uh, the audio Funkhauser of her I don't her take-
2: feel no ways tired.
1: Uh huh.
2: The chair of all the mayors in the country, Mayor Palmer from Trenton, New Jersey.
0: <laughs> it's almost like, uh,
1: it's almost like, you know, the child that you never meet that Jenny and Forrest Gump had. <clears throat> yep, that for president. <laughs> Uh, she's unstoppable. She's going to win. The right can't get it together. The right are too busy infighting. You rhino, Republican in name only, you Tea Party extremist fascist. I'm going to, yeah, no, and this is why that will be president. Uh, can you play it one more time, Funkhauser? I mean, she has come too far. She doesn't feel in no way tired. I, I believe it was.
2: I don't feel no ways tired. Mm. I come too far.
1: All right, good. That's cool. That's fine. <laughs> can you imagine what her PR people were doing? That being said, got a huge hand. Did really well. People seemed really thrilled with it when she did it. But can you imagine being like her PR person or, <laughs> or her speechwriter at the time being like, did, wh- where did I say I don't feel no ways tired? What does that even mean? Is that a thing? I don't believe that's a thing. That doesn't sound like a thing. <sighs> it's got to be a little unset. <laughs> Got to be a little unsettling. You know what else is unsettling? <laughs> when you're cutting up a watermelon this summer, I guess you should be gentle and caring because apparently you can now go to jail for getting violent with fruit. It's true. A woman in Thomaston, Connecticut, called cops this past week, just gone by to report her husband, 49-year-old Carmine Cervelino. Servellino? That sounds like a thing. 49-year-old Carmine Cervelino, his wife in in Connecticut, called the cops. And uh, the woman said Carmine had stabbed a watermelon with a butcher knife and left it in the kitchen for her to see and said she was, quote-unquote, being passive-aggressively threatened. She believed he was threatening her because she'd found some marijuana in his toolbox on the 4th of July and turned it over to the cops. They've also been in the process of getting divorced. Carmine was arrested for second-degree threatening and disorderly conduct. I wasn't even aware that was a thing, second-degree threatening. Yeah. So, you know, um, add cutting up delicious summer fruits to the long list of things you now have to go about in a politically correct way. Whatever you're doing, when you're chomping up a watermelon... Don't do it in a way that could be, dis- that could be conceived as a second-degree threat. Because, you know, that would be bad. Michael Salsona of Graniteville, New York. He's a veteran. He lost both his legs in 1971. He stepped on a landmine in Vietnam. And he's been, on, been in a wheelchair ever since, and not a good one. He's been trying to get the Veterans Administration to give him a new wheelchair for the past two years. Because his, oh, his keeps breaking. But the VA wouldn't do it. Nope. We have to do more. We, We have to do more. And we have to do more for the sole reason that our government does not, is not, probably will not, They have, a, they have a fantastic propaganda machine to get you to sign up. And part of that is making you believe that joining the military is an investment in your future. Now, I want you to hear me on this. I want you to make the distinction. Those who are willing to put on a uniform to make the ultimate sacrifice on our behalves, I do not have the words to express my gratitude for the sacrifice you're willing to make. And this is why I say we have to do more. Just by signing up. These people have offered to put their lives in front of ours. Their fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, husbands, wives all stand to lose them so that we may continue to enjoy our freedoms and they stand to lose their lives. It's funny. I was really, really fortunate. My uncle used to be a DJ on WCMF in Rochester. Rochester, New York, 96, WCMF. And he didn't stick with it but he did do something awesome with his DJing skills. He's a really good interviewer and He interviewed my grandfather back in the day, before my grandfather passed away, about all sorts of things, about meeting my grandmother, about their first kiss, about going to Cornell on a full scholarship, about becoming an engineer for Kodak, and about his time flying planes in the Second World War. And I don't think my grandfather, who was decorated many times over, shot down behind enemy lines at Iwo Jima. I think if he wanted to get dressed up in his military outfit and go out on the town when he was still alive, he probably could, uh, could have put on about a dozen medals, at least. Didn't really carry that around like a badge of honor. Was proud to have done it. But, he said, during the Second World War, the military propaganda machine was tremendous, To where if you couldn't get into the army, if you couldn't get into the navy, if you couldn't get into some branch of the armed forces, there was something horrifically wrong with you. And so naturally he signed up and he was a pilot and he got to do his time and, well, he lived. Thank God. But he did say that to get people to enlist, the military then and the military now. Kind of liberal with the truth. And people are being deceived as to what their willingness to make the ultimate sacrifice will afford them when they come home. People think they're going to be looked after. And sadly, that's not always the case. I have some friends, some army types, that were very well looked after. And I talked to them about it and they have said, yeah, we're really fortunate, but we were the exception, not the rule. And that's why we have to do more. We have to do more because our government is not looking after people that come home. People are coming home from active duty with scars, both on the inside and on the outside. And our government, and this goes beyond any one administration. Our government has a long history of not caring for them properly. My grandfather would have attested to that. He would have attested to the struggles that he was fortunate enough to avoid coming out of the army. Coming out of the time he spent fighting in the Second World War. But he had plenty of friends who were not. And they weren't looked after then and they're not looked after now. Which is why we have to do more. Like this. This veteran, Michael Sosona, Graniteville, New York, lost both his legs in 1971. Stepped on a landmine in Vietnam. Been in a wheelchair ever since. It's not a good one. He's been trying to get a replacement from the VA for the past two years because his keeps breaking. The VA won't do it. Michael was shopping at a Lowe's hardware store this past Monday, just gone by, when his wheelchair broke again. Man with no legs, and this happened just as the store was closing. So a few Lowe's employees decided to do what the VA has been refusing to do for years. They decided to help him out. Three Lowe's employees jumped into action. They grabbed a bunch of parts. They spent 45 minutes working on Michael's wheelchair. They even covered the cost of all the parts. I don't think Lowe's did. I think that uh, the people in the store that were helping him did. And when they were done, the wheelchair, as much as a new wheelchair from the VA, would have been a much better solution. When they were done, it was working perfectly. Michael says he tried to thank them. But they kept saying it was their honor. They just saw he needed help. So they helped him out. He said, and I quote, They didn't ask any questions. Didn't feel the need to fill out any forms or make phone calls. They just did it. Kept saying it was their honor. If you're ever in a position to help out a member of our armed forces, specifically one who it's clear... Our government is not looking after our government in its height of hypocrisy is not taken care of when they need something as simple as a new wheelchair after having given their legs, their legs for our country in the service of our government. If you have an opportunity to help. Just like the people at Lowe's, who kept saying, no thanks necessary, helping you is our honor. Just like the people at Lowe's, if you get an opportunity to help someone like this, it will be your honor as well. If you have a chance to do something like this, just do it. Thank you so much for hanging, being part of my radio family. Appreciate you joining me. This time you and I spend together is the best part of my day every single day. And I want you to know that sharing stories like this with you makes me feel that there might actually be something more to why we're here than boobs or fart jokes. But the boobs and fart jokes help. And they make it a little easier to laugh at situations. And if we can all laugh at something together, well, we'll get on the spaceships, evolve, and get the hell off this godforsaken windswept rock. Thank you so much for joining me. School cool the other cheek and give people the benefit of the doubt even when they don't deserve it. Sometimes you feel good about yourself for being a better person and doing that. Well, this is not one of those times.
0: What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground,